Alright then, it is Friday, July 28th, 2017, and we are here for the very first episode of the U.S. Soccer Rundown. Uh, I am your host, Blake Shelton, and uh, I'm here to selfishly indulge in a few of my biggest hobbies, which are A, uh, listening to myself talk, and B, the U.S. Men's National Team. Uh, The idea for this podcast is to provide you with enough information to carry a conversation about the U.S. soccer team, um, whether you're sitting around at the bar with a few of the boys and want to make a few points, or if you just generally care for the team but don't have enough time to keep up and read all the information that's coming out. So hoping to break everything down that's important into a couple quick minutes for you to listen to and feel like you're on top of what's going on in the world of the U.S. soccer. So I'm sitting here tonight. I'm wearing my my mix lid, and I'm wearing my uh, my Jermaine Jones kit, and I'm feeling nostalgic about two players that might not ever uh, make a make another appearance for the U.S. men's national team. My girlfriend's out. She's uh, she's out of the house for the evening at a, at a concert, so I've got a few beers to myself. And I thought, why not just go ahead and give this thing a go? Um, so my thoughts were to, to first talk about what's been going on recently with the U.S. national team. Um, for anybody who cares whatsoever about sports, because soccer's been growing to some extent in the country in, in the last couple of years, you should have at least noticed, probably from anything on Sports Center or, or social media, that... Uh, the U.S. men's national team has been playing um, some games with some regularity over the last month or so. So uh, I wanted to first go ahead and, and establish what it was that was going on. So over the last month, the U.S. men's national team has been participating in the 2017 CONCACAF Gold Cup. Uh, CONCACAF being the confederation that the U.S. men's national team competes in for international competitions. Uh, the Confederation is made up of North America, Central America, and the Caribbean Islands, and it's a biannual tournament. So this was the 2017 edition. Uh, there will be another in 2019, and the, the prior one was in 2015. So um, the U.S. went on to actually win this tournament. And so what does that mean ultimately for the national team? Um at a minimum, winning the CONCACAF Gold Cup ensures that the U.S. national team uh, will compete for a spot in the Confederations Cup. So what is the Confederations Cup? Uh, the Confederations Cup is essentially a, a pre-run uh, the year before the next upcoming World Cup. So, so we have an opportunity to, to qualify for the Qatar Confederations Cup in 2021 prior to the, the World Cup there in 2022. Uh, and it's really just an opportunity for the host country to to work on the logistics and the operations of hosting a huge tournament. Uh, but it's a big deal for the United States because, uh, as you might uh, figure based on who I just said was based in CONCACAF, um, it's one of the very few times outside of a World Cup uh, that the U.S. men's national team gets an opportunity to play against teams uh, who would who would we can. Cons- 
considered to be competitive, really outside of Costa Rica and Mexico and the U.S., we're not getting very many competitive games against uh, against top sides. So uh, the way that qualification for the Confederations Cup works is uh, the prior two Gold Cup winners going up um, leading into 2021 play each other for the chance to actually represent CONCACAF at that tournament. If the U.S. wins the 2017 and the 2019 Gold Cup, uh, then we don't have to play against anybody. But minimally, for example, if Mexico wins the 2019 Gold Cup, there will be a playoff uh, between USA and Mexico uh, to determine who it is that actually goes. So on top of qualifying for a chance to compete in a Confederations Cup, also the U.S. men's national team won two years of bragging rights until the next Gold Cup comes up in 2019. Um, so we get to stick it to Mexico, Costa Rica, and our friendly neighbors to the north, uh, the Canadians, for a couple years until the next iteration of the tournament comes around. Uh, unfortunately, the bragging rights don't go too terribly far. Mexico brought what's really a C team um, to the Gold Cup this summer, and the reason being is that they represented CONCACAF with their A team in the Confederations Cup in June. Um, so in an effort to, to not overrun those players, they brought what's really their C team uh, to the Gold Cup. And, and you know, they have a, a legitimate excuse if, if anybody's trying to talk trash about why they didn't win. Costa Rica, for what I can tell, uh, appeared to bring mostly an A team. But really, everybody knows that Mexico is the biggest threat in our region. And with them bringing a weak team, uh, we don't really have a huge excuse uh, the U.S. brought what most considered to probably be a B or a B-plus team. So there is some validity to the win when we're, we're not bringing our absolute best team. A lot of our best players from Europe didn't represent. Um, but there's a weird rule in the Gold Cup that actually allows you to swap out six players after the group stage for the knockout round. So um, through the group stage, the U.S. probably had what would be considered to be a B team, and then um, we made our, our six swaps heading into the knockout rounds uh, to, to get ourselves to probably a B-plus team. And the six guys that came in uh, were Josie Altador, Michael Bradley, Clint Dempsey, Tim Howard, Darlington Nagby, five guys that are almost certainly going to be starting outside of Clint Dempsey, and we'll get to that later, uh, in the World Cup in 2018, A, assuming we qualify for it, and B, assuming they're all healthy. And the six was Jesse Gonzalez. He uh, recently applied for a one-time switch from Mexico to the U.S., and, and really a lot of folks see this as a reward for him uh, ditching out on the Mexicans and coming to play for the Yanks. So uh, he was called up and rewarded for his commitment and, and got a chance to represent, uh, although it was on the bench, the U.S. men's national team in a major tournament. So the U.S. men's national team wins a tournament that uh, I just told you probably doesn't go a long way in, in the bragging rights column and doesn't ultimately um, qualify us for the 2021 Confederations Cup quite yet. But there were still some takeaways um, that are relevant to the team heading into the 2018 World Cup in Russia. Um, and, and the biggest, the biggest storylines are that um, Michael Bradley had a, a fantastic tournament after coming into the team following the group stage as a number six. So as a defensive midfielder, 
he actually won the golden ball for his efforts as the best player of the tournament and a sweet FIFA Ultimate Team 85 rated card. Throw a shadow card on him and he gets all 80s, so that looks fantastic. Might try and slide him in with that, that uh, strong link to Clint Dempsey. Um, and he famously was kind of shoved into the role of a 10 or a central attacking midfielder under Jurgen Klinsmann. So this is one uh, one tally in the Bruce Arena column, at least, in, in terms of getting the best out of Michael Bradley, despite uh, what what Twitter might say, is probably still one of the two or three best players that, that's representing the United States at this point. Um, another takeaway, and I kind of alluded to it earlier, uh, Clint Dempsey kind of established himself as a super sub. I think he's 34. He'll be he- he'll be 35 at the next World Cup, and um, despite being one of the best players to ever wear the red, white, and blue, he's uh, he's just simply not not built to go 90 minutes at a time. He's still by far the most creative U.S. men's national team player, not named Christian Pulisic. Um, as Bruce Arena once famously said, he tries shit. Got four-star skill moves on FIFA as well, if that tells you anything. So uh, Clint Dempsey came in against Costa Rica in the semifinals uh, in the around the 60th minute, had a goal, had an assist, and then in the final against Jamaica, he also came in around that 60-minute mark and, and was arguably our most dangerous player, created a lot of, a lot of space, a lot of chances. So uh, folks are thinking heading into the 2018 World Cup, Clint Dempsey will likely be having a role as a super sub. Um, He seems to be okay with that. I'm sure as long as it gets him on the World Cup roster, he'll probably um, deal with it. But that's definitely a big change from how Clint Dempsey has been utilized in the past, uh, moving forward as a 30-minute guy coming off the bench. Uh, Also, Clint Dempsey... In the the semifinal against Costa Rica, ties Landon Donovan's record for the most goals uh, as a U.S. national team player at 57. So Clint Dempsey, um, likely not done yet. Like I just said, he'll probably continue to get call-ups uh, at least into the World Cup. So um, all expectations are him are for him to ultimately pass Landon Donovan and, and become the the U.S. men's national team highest goal scorer of all time. Um, another attacking player who, who had a relatively good showing is Josie Altador. So um, I didn't realize this until I, until I saw Brian Scretta's tweet, but Josie Altador played his first cup uh, since 2011 uh, while healthy. So he was either injured or missed entirely the, the 2013 Gold Cup, um, the 2014 World Cup, he famously came off maybe 30 minutes in uh, with a hamstring injury in the first game against Ghana. Um, and then you guys might have just heard that thunder out there. I'm sure I'm sure my girlfriend's enjoying her outdoor concert at the moment. But uh, also the 2015 Gold Cup, Josie Altador came in for the, the group stage and was sent home in that six-sub rule um, just because of how... how out of shape he was and due to him coming back from an injury. Um, and then the Copa America last summer in 2016, he actually missed that. So this was his first competitive tournament that he's played since Gold Cup 2011 um, while healthy. And, and he had a good showing. He scored a goal in the final uh, and also a goal in the semifinal, um, despite you know only getting three appearances, two goals. Um, you can't complain with that sort of return. So Josie Altidore making himself 
a, a strong case to still be the, the first number nine on the team sheet. Uh, another takeaway, Darlington Nagby. He had famously had a, a, a disagreement with Jurgen Klinsmann about how he, he was utilizing the U.S. setup. So um, he actually turned down a few call-ups from Jurgen. And, and while Jurgen was the coach, we, we never thought he'd uh, get another call-up similar to how Landon Donovan going on his his uh, sabbatical led to him missing out on the 2014 World Cup. Most of us thought that Darlington Nadby's national career was over as long as Jurgen Klinsmann was in charge. Enter, enter Bruce Arena, and uh, your Darlington Nagby has made quite a name for himself, doing something a little bit differently than than really we have um, in the U.S. in in the pool right now. Um, a very technical player, probably similar to only Christian Pulisic and and Fabian Johnson. So he he was great in in the. In the Gold Cup, creating. I don't think I ever saw him lost the ball. Didn't register an assist or a goal, um, but he was great in holding possession and and helping helping the U.S. national team build up. Um, Tim Howard definitely continues to be our number one option. Um, Brad Guzan got his chance in the, in the group stage and was sent home to Atlanta United uh, to to make way for Tim Howard coming in uh, for the knockout rounds. Tim had some fantastic saves and really kept us in the the Costa Rica match, um, and and solidified himself at least for the time being as the number one heading into Russia. Brad Guzan still the number two there, so uh, probably not a whole bunch of change in the goalkeeper from the 2014 World Cup. But I have to imagine that Tim Howard's done once he once he represents us at the 2018 level, and it'll be Brad Guzan's job again uh, heading into the 2022 cycle. Um, one of the big question marks heading into this match, not this match, but this tournament was, um, center back depth. Um, Matt Beasler and Omar Gonzalez seem to essentially solidify themselves, uh, as they, as they were, um, not as they were in 2014, but I, I feel like we're going to be having the same exact four center backs in 2018 that we brought to the 2014 World Cup, being uh, John Brooks, who will be the number one uh, number one partner with Jeff Cameron, and then Omar Gonzalez and Matt Beasler as numbers three and four. Um, barring any injuries, uh, most folks expect that to be the four center backs that we bring to um, to Russia in, in 2018, assuming we qualify. Jordan Morris scored the winner against Jamaica in the in the Gold Cup final. Also had a brace earlier in the tournament, so a relatively good tournament. He uh, he made quite the case for himself uh, as the fourth striker that will be coming to Russia. The obvious three are Josie, Clint Dempsey, and Bobby Wood. Um, so that fourth spot is really up in the air. A lot of folks think it'll either be Jordan Morris uh, or possibly Dom Dwyer, who... Um, just got his American citizenship in the weeks heading into the Gold Cup and, and got his first call up. Scored, a, I think he scored in his first two appearances and then also had a, a couple pretty good showings in the Gold Cup. Went home um, heading into the knockout stages and was actually traded. I wonder if that has anything to do with, with why Bruce let him go because for me, he was one of the better players in the knockout rounds or in the group stage. And um, you have to think that maybe that's that that's something to do with it. The other guy that they're possibly competing with are Aaron Johansson, 
who uh, represented the U.S. at the 2014 uh, World Cup. And then the last last big takeaway from the folks who, who got opportunities at the Gold Cup is that our backup right back is still wide open. So DeAndre Yedlin has a very firm grasp on the first choice right back, um, but Graham Zuzi and Eric Lehigh both got chances uh, to stake their claim for the backup right back spot. Uh, Graham Zuzi, for his efforts, was rewarded with a team of the tournament spot, but a lot of U.S. soccer Twitter isn't isn't convinced that he's the best option. Um, if you ask FIFA Ultimate Team, it's it's Timmy Chandler who was uh, who was on the Gold Cup or the World Cup 2014 roster, um, according to ratings at least. He's the best right back in the pool. Um, I don't think he's going to jump Yedlin based on that, but uh, a lot of folks do see do see him still being the backup option heading into Russia. At the other fullback position, Orhe Viafania had a full tournament to stake his claim as the first choice left back, which has um, been a really big problem for the U.S. over the last four years since Demarcus Beasley um, foe retired and has since come back several times to represent the U.S. national team at left back. So uh, Viafania really got a chance and and there's really not anybody knocking down the door to be the 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 starter there so i think at this point it's really his job to lose there's always a chance that demarcus beasley gets called in he he played against mexico and some world cup qualifiers a few months ago uh in the azteca so you know bruce arena trusts him at least and then of course there's always the opportunity for fabian johnson to to play left back despite most of uh, the U.S. soccer fan base preferring him to be in the midfield. But in an effort to get him on the field while we have Darlington Nabby playing so well, it might be uh, Fabian Johnson at left back heading into Russia. Uh, one or two more points on the folks who represented the national team in the Gold Cup. Kellen Acosta, for what we, what we saw him do, um, probably jumped Jermaine Jones uh, as a box-to-box midfielder choice for Russia. Uh, he's younger. He's 22, uh, whereas Jermaine Jones is, uh, I think, 36 at the time, so a 14-year difference there. Uh, he's just got a little bit more juice in his legs, and he played well enough, um, and he has been playing well enough in the MLS to where um, we think that he's probably one of the, one of the central midfielders that will be coming to Russia. And last but not least, Giassi Zardes continues to be a fascinating and um, divisive player for the U.S. national team. It seems that both Bruce Arena and Jurgen Klinsmann are fascinated by his uh, athleticism, as you can tell by uh, him getting so many appearances, despite his obvious uh, lack in technical quality. So I, I, at this point... A lot of a lot of uh, U.S. soccer supporters expect to see Jassy Zardes on the the 23-man roster for Russia, Russia 2018. Um, for better or worse, he he always puts in a, a hard-working shift. Um, but but as you're getting down to those 20 through 23 selections, um, you, you know you're never going to have a perfect option there. So probably expect to see Giassi Zardes for his work ethic and uh, his history with Bruce Arena heading into 2018 should the U.S. men's national team qualify. 
So now that the U.S. men's national team has established its dominance over CONCACAF in the 2017 Gold Cup, uh, what are we looking forward to next as we continue to try and get to Russia? So um, coming up in September, actually, there are a couple World, World Cup qualifiers uh, against Costa Rica and Honduras. So um, the U.S. men's national team obviously just beat Costa Rica in the Gold Cup. Um, they need three points there, so we're, we're definitely hoping they can do the same. And then um, similarly with Honduras, that shouldn't be an issue for the U.S., so six points is absolutely the goal for these next two World Cup qualifiers coming up in September, as the U.S. still hasn't secured itself uh, a bid to Russia yet, despite being in a, in a much better spot than, than we were a couple months back. But... Um, because these are these are big games, uh, we should expect to see pretty much close to an A squad. So the guys that we missed out uh, on in the Gold Cup, John Brooks, Bobby Wood, Jeff Cameron, Fabian Johnson, uh, it, expect them to be called back into the squad and expect to see Bruce Arena's first attempt at naming a uh, what what could be considered um, a World Cup roster. So. Anyways, U.S. men's national team takes a little bit of a break over the next month. Uh, Well-deserved as they, as they establish themselves as the best team um, minus Mexico's A team in, in CONCACAF this summer. And we'll, we'll be looking to keep that momentum going to continue qualifying for the 2018 World Cup in Russia. So thanks for listening. If you have any questions, feel free to check out my Twitter at U.S. Soccer Rundown. Send me an email, uh, ussoccerrundown at gmail.com, or uh, the dozen of you that actually bothered to listen almost certainly have my cell phone number, so you can text me a question as well. Um, phone calls not suggested. Um, I, get, I get too many phone calls at work as it is, so um, I'll talk to you guys next time something big happens, and appreciate you. Uh, listening to a little bit about the U.S. men's national team so I can force you to come out and watch games with me in the future. All right, all the best. Bye.